Welcome back to Tap That Easy Podcast. I am your host, Eric Walters. Thank you for joining in on the show. And I hope you're having a great day. Now, this series is a little sneak peek behind the making of our book, The Arizona Beer Book. Go to thearizonabeerbook.com. You can buy it online there. We also have breweries and tap rooms all over the state of Arizona that sell them. So keep an eye out for The Arizona Beer Book. Makes a really good gift. Like I said, Labor Dave's coming up. You know, a hard worker who needs a beer book? Bet you do. TheArizonaBeerBook.com. Go check it out. Now, this series, we highlight some of the greatest beers that Arizona has to offer. Some of them are well-known, and some may be brand new to you. Either way, I think you're going to enjoy this Behind the Pints series. If you haven't listened to the previous one, there have been a few that have gone out already. So just look for Behind the Pint and the show names. So what's called the episode names of the episode, just search on, on your app and you'll be able to find behind the pint somehow, right? Sorry. I think I'm probably making this more confusing for you <laughs> than it needs to be. So wonderless. Now you got to go all the way back to November 21st, 2018. That was the day that the episode with wonderless came out. Now this was before the Arizona beer book. This was just an episode featuring Nathan Friedman, the uh, founder and brewer at wonderless up in Flagstaff. So Go back to that. November 21st, 2018, Wanderlust, W-A-N-D-E-R-L-U-S-T, Brewing in Flagstaff. Really cool spot. It's a little bit out of downtown. So I love downtown Flagstaff. It's great. Everything is within walking area. There's so many good spots. Now, if you go out of town, I don't know, maybe not even, a, maybe a mile, maybe two. I don't know. Go on a map. It'll show you where to go. Go to Wanderlust. And then over on that side of town as well, there is... Satchmo's barbecue, really good, and fat olives pizza, really good stuff. So go check them out. Now I love the story of 928 local because they use local yeast. And anybody that's listened to the show knows that I go crazy about the spontaneous fermentation and wild kind of stuff like that. So uh yeah, I was pretty, pretty stoked about this one. But yeah, let's get this one rolling. This is uh behind the pint. 928 local from Wonderless Brewing Company in Flagstaff, Arizona. So we, we kind of were going after something that was um, really a, I would say, like a kind of mimic of Saison's um, or farmhouse ales that were brewed in like Belgium and France. And so we were looking for something that really had a, um, like kind of a local flair to it, really simple recipe, but really accentuated kind of the flavors of a yeast that was local. Um, and so, you know, it kind of all started with me really getting into these saisons, um, just from a style standpoint and saying, man, I really want something like this in the U.S. that I can't really get. Um, and so when I was a home brewer, um, we... You know, I was kind of doing all kinds of fun experiments and brewing all kinds of different beers and everything. And one of the things we ended up doing was one season in Flagstaff when we had a, a lot of apples all around all the neighborhoods and everything, we built a cider press. Um, and, you know, I'm an engineer and I have a couple buddies from work who are also engineers. And we basically just, like, got together over the course of a weekend and built a cider press in my backyard. Um and so we collected a whole bunch of apples, pressed some cider, and then 
let some of that cider kind of naturally ferment just based on what was on the outside of the apple. Yeah, and so that's really where the yeast came from. So we let that ferment, and then I, I took the yeast that fermented those off of the apple cider and plated it out and separated it into individual strains because it was kind of before I was opening the brewery and I was, like, practicing my kind of microbiology. Okay. Um, and so separated it out into three different strains of yeast. And those three different strains ended up, one ended up being kind of junk. It didn't taste very good. One was kind of bland. And then the third one was the, the 928 strain that we came out with. And so that really is like a local yeast strain from West Flagstaff um, that was off of the apples that were, you know, pressed into cider. Um, so that kind of forms really the base flavor profile of that beer. Um, and that's really where you're going to get all of the kind of earthy and um, almost cidery kind of fruity flavors from because those are all esters that are and, and phenols that are coming out of the yeast strain. Um, and then, you know, from there, we basically just wanted to use a super simple recipe. And so there's really um, only three um, grain types in that recipe. It's a base of Pilsner malt. It has a little bit of Munich malt in it and then a little bit of caramel malt for a little bit of color um, and kind of some body to it. Um, and those three malts are really all that's in it. And then it just uses um, some Czech Stas hops, which are a very traditional hop that's used in like a lot of traffic sales and things like that. It's considered a noble hop, so it's a very simple flavor profile. Um, gotcha. And and then we use um, local honey um, in it as well, and that's what kind of gives that beer punch. Um, and that's what makes it, I think, really, really floral. And it's a bit of a, a pain to brew because we actually put the honey in like late in fermentation, and so we have to time it out um, exactly when to put it in so that all of that aroma and flavor and everything from the honey, because it's really, really delicate, doesn't get lost during the fermentation. So if we were to put it in, like, real early at the beginning or even in the boil or something like that, you just never taste it. It would just turn into straight sugar, and then it would get fermented, and it would be a really, really dry beer. And it'd take you a few times to get that, to kind of figure that aspect of it out. It did, yeah. I mean, we we tweaked that recipe, I would say, at least for, you know, probably the first year we were open, um, just messing around with it, trying to figure out how to make it consistent and how to um, get that honey profile um, really where we wanted it, and also how to deal with that yeast, because it's a, it's a wild yeast, and so it's really, really finicky to work with. Um, it takes a long time to ferment. Um, it actually doesn't stop fermenting like a typical brewer's yeast, so we have to actually, like, basically halt fermentation early with it, or it would be super, super dry and actually end up being, like, closer to, like, 9% if we just let it go all the way down to zero. So, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it would be a pretty gnarly beer. Um, I mean, it's, it, it would be good, but it would be super, super dry, no sweetness in it whatsoever, and I think all the honey flavor would really get lost if we let it go all the way. So with, when you put the honey in it, uh, does, I mean, with just the difference in temperature, uh, does it does the honey have a problem breaking down, like, you know, from the thickness of the, of the honey? No, and what we have to do just to make sure that we're putting it in and everything's kind of stale in the process um, is we mix it with 190-degree water um, in order to thin it out a little bit and to make sure that 
um, you know, we're not getting any contamination from that honey. And so it um, it blows in pretty well, and it, it's not too hard. I mean, we have a we have a special like pressure vessel that we use that we mix the hot water with it in, and then use that via pressure um, to blow the honey into the beer, and and it mixes up pretty well at that point. So. Gotcha. And the yeast kicks back up when that happens too, just to, you know more sugar for fermentation. So okay, and and so uh, with with that yeast, with that being a wild yeast, is it? Uh, you have to be extra careful with it, with you know, to, to avoid risk of that cross contamination. Um, we do, although um, really that yeast um, tends seems to respond very similarly to cleaning and sanitizing chemicals um, okay. that you know a brewer's yeast does. I mean, there's there's always some some uh, some chance of cross contamination, but I would say it's not any more of a chance of cross-contamination with that yeast than it is with with the fact that people run, like, two or three brewing yeast strains in their brewery. And so, you know, from day one at the brewery, we've been pretty um, kind of quality-focused just because we've known we've got this wild yeast that's floating around in our brewery, and we've done sours in our tanks before, and we've done, um, you know, things like, Brett beers and things like that in the same tanks that we do our, you know, clean beers in. And so we have a pretty rigorous um, microbiology testing program to make sure that we are only getting a single strain of yeast in each of the tanks and that we are not getting any kind of contamination from any wild yeast or bacteria or anything like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So basically we have systems in place to... to to ensure that yeah. that sanitation aspect, of, which is awesome. That's yeah, that's, that's just a good habit, anyways, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, so how would you how would you describe describe like the taste profile of the beer? Um, you know, not just to like a beer person, but also to like somebody that's brand new to beer. Maybe somebody says, "Hey, I don't I don't like beer." How would you describe that to them? Yeah. So um, that's actually it's a good question because that beer is actually kind of the beer that we tend to. Um, that we tend to recommend to people when they come to us and they say, oh, well, I don't usually drink beer or I'm a wine drinker or something. So it has, like, um, so it's a really light um, floral and a little bit earthy kind of flavor profile. Um, It is not heavy. Um, It doesn't, it's not hoppy or bitter or anything like that. Um, It actually has some kind of wine and, like, cider um, aspect to it in that it has a little bit of, like, kind of tannic, um, note to it, which is really nice, um, and it gives it a really clean, crisp flavor profile. Um, and so that's, you know, that's how we usually describe it. I would say that the aroma, for sure, is really floral and a little bit sweet um, in the aroma. Um, yeah. And and then the flavor is really where kind of that earthiness and that little bit of um, kind of tannic bite comes out a little bit. Gotcha. Okay. And so with that, like, have you guys done, like, any, like, food pairings uh, with, with the 928? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. so the 928 is, it, you know, it, it pairs, I would say, almost like a white wine, so it goes well with, like, lighter dishes like a fish or something like that. Um, okay. It also is a really, really good beer for pairing with cheeses um, right. because that kind of creaminess of the cheese and, um, you know, the different flavor profiles will actually, because there's so much complexity there, will bring out a lot of different flavors um, in the 928. So if you pair it with something like, 
a blue cheese, it's going to bring out a lot more of that earthiness, but if you put it with a cheddar cheese or something like that, then it kind of plays off of that um, sharpness of it and um, will help kind of cut through the sweetness of, of beer as well. So it's it's definitely one of our favorites to pair with kind of those lighter dishes um, and and definitely with cheese as well. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's interesting too because, um, I mean, you know, there's obviously power stations on, on top of a lot of places, but I feel like 928 is like the flagstaff beer. You know, whether you go to Satchmo's or um, wherever you go, 928 is, is a staple in, in flagstaff for the pivot, you know. I, pretty, mm-hmm. I think I've seen it at Diablo Burger, too, I think, right? You guys have a oh, yeah. Yep. A handle there. Yeah. yeah, they rotate sometimes with ours. but And actually, uh, to be honest, one of my favorite places that it's on, and it, it took us a little while to get on there, but I think it just goes really well with the food, is it Pharma. Um, you know, everybody thinks sushi, and they want to get, like, a Sapporo or something like that. Um, yeah. But the 928, I feel like it, it is, you know, Sapporo is a great beer for it, but it, it's really kind of one-dimensional. It's really just clean and there's not a whole lot of flavor to it, so it kind of yeah. falls into the background. But when you eat, like, all those different sushi rolls with a 928 next to them, it'll bring out flavors that you would never have imagined were, were in that beer, which is super cool. And I, I love having that beer yeah. at Karma. It's one of my favorites. Nice, man. I've never actually been to Karma, so I love sushi. Oh, man, it's, it's <laughs> like, by far, some of the best sushi I have ever had. They do an excellent job, so. Nice, man, nice. That's on my list, man. I got to I gotta go there next time. I always have my staples, man. I go, I love Satchmo's. I love uh, Fat mm-hmm. Olives. I love uh, Diablo Burger, but um, I get to expand a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there. yeah, there you, you know, go. <laughs> there's so many good places up there. Um, so are you guys on top? Um, I know you got a lot of top, um, you know, the night trade is on top of a lot of places, the five stuff. Is there much outside of Flagstaff? And, and I can't remember um, if you guys packaged that one. Yeah, so um, I guess I'll start with maybe the second question. So we don't package it um, because it is that wild yeast. And so the okay. problem with that wild yeast is that if we packaged it and we didn't completely filter out or pasteurize that yeast so that it didn't keep fermenting, um, then we would have problems with overcarbonated and ultimately potentially exploding bottles. Okay. And so um, we, we've been looking into um, sterile filtration or um, pasteurization in order to be able to bottle those, but that would be what we'd have to do to bottle it. So it's one of the few beers that we make that we can't bottle right now. We just don't do it. Um, but, you know, that one is uh, um, it isn't in bottles right now. So... Our distribution footprint right now is we do distribute to Phoenix, um, but it, it's about once a month, and so it's hard to say exactly who has or doesn't have 928. Um, we usually post on our website and on Facebook and stuff who gets it um, when we go down there. Um, yeah. But typically, we're kind of downtown and northeast Phoenix, so like Tempe, Scottsdale, downtown Phoenix is kind of our, our region right now, but we're planning on expanding that. Um, and then we also distribute to Sedona and Verde Valley. Okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I think that's pretty much it, man. I mean, I think we, we've hit all the points. 